All right, and welcome to the Counter Attack Podcast, the Score Podcast, our World Cup preview. I'm here today with James Big, John Lukaneshi, and Richard Woodall, fellas. How are you? Wonderful. World Cup fever. Woo! Doing well. I'm sick. I literally, I fever. literally have a fever. Um, by now, you've probably read a lot, you've listened to a lot, you've watched a lot about what is going to happen in Brazil. Could be a bit of overkill, maybe, but. No. Uh, Eventually, the games will start, and uh, thank God for that, because I can't, I can't read another uh, Daily Mail article about how Cristiano Ronaldo's thighs are not looking good in training. Yeah. Literally, they're not looking good. It's the, just end of the shape of them, right? So you just got to lube them more. I think that is the key in general in life, right? Um, more lube. As we <laughs> as we get going, uh, I think we can comment, touch just, I guess, off the top, Brazil and the uh, the issues that are going on. On the streets of Brazil, it's interesting. I think socially, this is going to be one of the... Um, I think it started in the, the Olympics in Sochi, but now especially more so in Brazil. Just to, We all know about FIFA and that John Oliver bit on uh, on his show on Sunday was fantastic. But I wonder how much that's going to be talked about compared to the games. I have a feeling it might even override some of the games. Well, I mean, I'm of two minds about it because obviously, you know, you want to... This is a big issue. What FIFA does internationally, you know, is, is probably this will get the most recognition um, for that sort of thing that it's gotten a long time. And obviously, with the the Times of London story uh, being broken, you know, a week before FIFA Congress or whatever. So, uh, but at the same time, I also like. There's part of me that's just like, eh, the football's on the TV. I just want to, I just want to watch and enjoy, you know. So it's like, it's sh- it's shitty, right? Because like yeah. that's really all that matters. I don't think it'll overshadow it. You've seen it before at other big tournaments where before in the lead up, you're obviously scrambling around for, for stories and I mean, listen, this is a really big story and one that should absolutely be reported. But I think once the games get underway, you know, soccer fans across the world will be focused on what's going on on the pitch. Having said that, I can't help but feel this is almost a little bit like FIFA's chickens coming home to roost. There's always been talk and murmurings, you know, kind of that kind of backhanded laughter almost that they're kind of a corrupt organization. There's issues going on. But it seems that that stuff is suddenly having some credibility behind it, which is very interesting. The other thing that could happen is that, you know, obviously we, we watch the group stage matches, we're like, oh, well, that, that part of the stadium hasn't been built yet, and no, all that's not <laughs> finished yet, and then that stairway so it becomes obvious. Yeah. But then over time, you know, as the narrative of the, the games themselves and the knockout round takes over, and it produces some good football, you know, here, here's hoping, then you know, then it gets washed away, and Seth Blatter can sort of do this, at, you know, clean his hands at the end of the tournament and say it was great success, and and then everyone will have forgotten sort of these controversies that were published ahead of time. So, yeah, it could go either you know either way essentially. I'm just waiting for Sepp to say in a press conference, "Do you think these hands have been soaked in ivory?" And then literally just reference <laughs> that there was literal blood, blood on his hands, and he's mm-hmm. okay with it because really, people makes money; they do really well. How much money they make and how they make it is, I guess, the uh, the worst part of it all. Don't be racist. Devang. Of yeah. course not. Of course not. You're racist against the Swiss. Of course. Yeah. The Swacks. Yeah. You know, I love no, <laughs> Never, never. Love Roger Federer. All right, getting on to the groups. And I guess everyone's filling out their bracket. I I really dislike the uh, the bracket filling out thing. And I think this is because it kind of takes away, and also like fantasy sports, it takes away from what you're really enjoying at a certain point. You're like, well, I hope... I hope Clint Dempsey scores four times, but really you don't want to see the U.S. progress at an expense of Portugal for the sake of better football or something like that. It gets really muddied. That being said, we're sports fans. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Group A, Brazil, Croatia, Mexico, Cameroon. 
Brazil, on paper, definitely one of the best teams, if not the best team in the tournament. You have the added pressure of being the host of the tournament, but they're also Brazil, so that pressure is always going to be there. I think we, the consensus, they'll get out, but I think the biggest issue, for, what do you guys think the biggest issue for them in that group stage figuring out? Is there any sort of under, overlying thing that they have to work out? I think just the immense pressure on the team and obviously avoiding avoiding high-profile injuries right. at this rate seems to be a concern for every team involved, but I think the Croatia, uh, that opener is going to be huge for them. I think, uh, obviously, people are going to look to Brazil-Mexico as well, but uh, Herrera's side, you know, is like definitely could, you know, it's a huge question mark in that team, and I don't know if they have the depth necessarily to do much damage. So I really think that opening match is going to be big for Brazil, and I think, obviously, the other problem for them is is the issues going on in the country overshadowing what they're trying to do on the pitch. And um, So, yeah, for them, it's just avoiding the enormous crushing pressure um, and then, as if they progress, you know, as they progress through the tournament, there'll be questions about 1950 and the, the American disaster losing against Uruguay. So, so yeah, those things to keep in mind for sure. I think defensively too. I mean, this is not the typical Brazilian side, right, where they're a disaster defensively. It's just all bomb forward all the time. Um, so, I think that game against Croatia, especially with Rakitic and Modric in the middle there, they don't have Mandzukic, obviously. Uh, but with Rakitic and Modric, those guys will be able to dictate pace a little bit. So it'll be nice to see how the Brazilian defense holds up against that, going against uh, you know a good team, but then you know like to build on that. Ideally, moving in against better teams. Going but forward. once they get behind that defense, and it's uh, Julio Cesar, so it's mm. free and home from there. TFC know. superstar. Fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one, is it? Because. I always like the opening game of any World Cup tournament because sometimes you get a little bit of a surprise. I think back to you know the night, Italian ninety when Argentina played Cameroon and Cameroon gave you know Argentina Roger, a bit yeah. of a scare as the Roger Miller tournament, wasn't it? And listen, I'm not putting Croatia in that same mold because I think they're a far better team than, than Cameroon were and are. But it could be interesting. It could be an upset, as you said. Heaps of pressure. Opening game in the World Cup. Uh, Croatia are a good team, and it wouldn't surprise me if this one finished all square. I enjoy that Croatia's talking a bit of smack. Uh, Olic saying that uh, Brazil's defense are spaces, and Danny Alves Ooh. acknowledging that. And I think on Ma'ad, the training session earlier this week, uh, Scolari spent the majority of it altering defensive formations, making sure that they were up to snuff. As always, I think Brazil's issue is going to be defensively. Like you look at that that attacking trident: Hulk, Neymar, Oscar, William, Fernandinho, Bernard, Fred up top. Fred, the ultimate poacher. A lot of things to like there. The defense is also Thiago Silva is one of the best defenders in the world. Full stop. If I think we can say, best, if not the, the best, right, yeah. probably the most expensive as well, if you were to rate him. Everything is lining up for them to advance. The interesting question, I think James, we were talking about this earlier, Croatia, Mexico, Cameroon. Cameroon, as always, it's the infighting and the bonus money, and this mm. has happened before. Eto hates Song, Song hates Eto, Eto hates the coach, everyone hates Eto. If you look on paper, their midfield is probably comparable to Croatia in terms of talent. It's there, surrounding surrounding all of this shit that they're dealing with. It's a very good side. Not crazy to suggest that Cameroon kind of is that that sleeper team in yeah, this group. I think it's not out of the question, but then, of course, again, you get this issue. They didn't want to get on the plane. Like It's like the captain of like the team, 74, captain of the team yeah. accused his teammates of trying to sabotage him <laughs> during qualifying. Samuel Eto openly accused his teammates. He remains the captain. Yeah, that's not a happy camp. And when, especially when you're away at a tournament, locked in a hotel together. All of your time together. I can't even begin to imagine what the atmosphere is like at the dinner table. I believe it is... It's got to be like a family dinner at an in-laws in which you are divorcing the person. Right. And you know you're divorcing the person, and it's happening. But then can't you work well, you know, in a limited time for with the people kids. that you don't you like? Do for the kids. I mean, I work at the store. <laughs> <laughs> a month for the kids. A month for the kids. Good God. Yeah. All right. Uh, predictions. 
top two going through for a second, Rich? Uh, I'll say Brazil-Croatia. That's the safe pick, the easy one, and to me it's the obvious. I really want uh, Mexico to do well because I love Tom Marshall and he's writing for us and I want him to stick around with <laughs> us or as long as we can in the tournament. But uh, Herrera sort of slapped this uh, you know five three two together um, based on you know America and, and MX League and and I think uh, um, it's. They've done sort of okay in, in the lead-up, but I really think that, that they're going to get added pretty early in that group. And I think Cameroon are a good shot for second, so it could be a toss-up between them and Croatia. Yeah, I agree. I, I have Mexico finishing last in the group, and uh, I think Brazil and Croatia, obviously. Like I said, that midfield with Croatia, they get Mandzukic back in the second game. I mean, even if Croatia loses that first game against Brazil, you get arguably your best player, definitely your best striker back for the two games that you absolutely have to win in that group. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, likewise, Brazil, Croatia, and nothing more to add than what Richard and Gianluca have said, really. Yeah, boom! Brazil, Croatia, Cameroon, please surprise us. Group B: Spain, Netherlands, Chile, Australia. Oh boy, I think this is this is one of the hard ones to predict in terms of the top three. Spain, Fernando Torres saying that they deserve to be the favorites, and they certainly do based on their resume. They've won the last three major tournaments in the world. I think in general, the question is Netherlands, Chile. Netherlands, I don't know. There's there's always that thing about them that I can't really put my my finger on. But this squad has a, an intriguing mix of super young and kind of old mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to work that well at major tournaments. I don't know what you guys think, but it's a real mixed bag for I think the Netherlands this year. And when you've got a Norwich City player playing in your midfield and Good God. Fred, that's Good God. <laughs> you got to say desperate times. So yeah, that that makes me doubtful. And you wouldn't put it past me. You know, you look at Rich's article on why if you're not going to make it to the final you might as well bomb out at the group stages I wonder whether this might not be the tournament where we see Netherlands bomb out at the group stages even with um, Chile making a surprise uh, appearance the only problem with that is is that if if Van Hall pulls out this you know five at the back system that he sort of ripped off uh, you know uh, Ronald Koeman then then it'll just be like well we have to go back to the the basics 4-3-3 of of Dutch football and then they'll just be you know know, time is a flat circle you know it's like it'll just end up right back at the start so um, but yeah, I mean these these Dutch teams are always up in the air. There always seems to be personnel issues. There's definitely, I mean, talk about Cameroon, like you know, dressing room issues. Like Holland are, are the sort of leaders in that. I think Strootman being absent is probably a bigger blow than than some of the more high profile injuries in the, before the World Cup. So so everything around this tournament is going to be them trying to compensate for that gap, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for Chile, I mean, Arturo Vidal is he going to play? Is he not going to play? That's that's obviously massive for them. He's their best player. You know, Alexis Sanchez gets a lot of the credit for going forward and scoring great goals, but. With Vidal, that midfield is significantly weaker than it, than it would be. And Sanchez is playing for that contract, right? Because I think the uh, the rumor on the street is that he didn't get a lot of playing time with Barcelona this year. Kind of the odd man out. Get that money contract year uh, for other sports, but contract tournament. We'll see about that. The Socceroos, hey guys, have fun. Super young team. Tim, Tim Cahill. <laughs> Pat them on the t- yeah. <laughs> If you had fun, yeah. you won. Yeah. Uh, great names. Massimo Logano. I hope he gets some t- some tick. He's good. He's a good player. Uh, but I think going forward, I guess Spain, we're comfortable saying Spain is the uh, the top team in this group. If you had to go right now, the Dutch or Chile, who you got? I'll say I'll say the Netherlands, just because I don't want Parks to punch me in the face. <laughs> but also because I actually think that, uh, you know, there's a, whatever, there's always enough... Uh, there's enough coaching intelligence not to like take strips off of any other. Spain sort of runs on autopilot and have to, has done so for the last you know how many years because they're amazing. But uh, but I think you know Netherlands are, are good strategists and, and could. I want Chile kind of to be second, but I really think it could be the Dutch. I'll risk getting beaten up by Parks and say that Chile is going to make it squeeze through. Yeah. yeah, I'm going for Chile on my bracket too. 
I'm going for Australia, actually. I really believe this is the Tim Cahill final swan song. Maybe. World Cup top scorer. Imagine that. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll go with Chile as well. Let's make it 3-1. to one. Group C, Colombia, Greece, Cote d'Ivoire, Japan. One of those toss-up groups where you can probably maybe pencil in Colombia for that one of the two top spots. But a lot these teams here, if you look at, in terms of experience, uh, players who've been there before, they're all jammed with them. You look at Greece, we know what to expect. Park the bus, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe Nick a gold, Georgia Samaras somehow steals it. Cote d'Ivoire, this generation of players, one of the most talented in Africa of all time, have not done anything in the biggest competitions. Japan, a lot of players who had down years with their clubs who were looking to make a difference is Kaisuki Honda and Shinji Kagawa. I look at Colombia without Falcao, still super talented, a team that can go very deep in this tournament. Yeah, I... It's you could really just pick. It's such a mixed bag, isn't it? This is the one where people's brackets are going to live and die by. I think, for me, I, yeah, the same. Colombia, really strong squad still, um, and I, yeah, I think we'll top the group. Greece, I just don't think anymore. I just don't see them. I think people have worked Greece out. I don't think they can bore draw their way through the group stages and and do what they did in the Euros when they won it that year. I really want to see Cote Bar um, get out of this group just because, as you said, real talented group of players. Um, that is my tip to make it out in second place behind Colombia. Um, but that being said, Japan is going to push them really hard, I think, because, again, you look at them in the big tournaments, they always put in a shift. Yeah, I mean, you know, the big issue, obviously, with Japan is defensive frailties, you know, coughing up a, a 2-0 lead the other day. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, personally, i really like to see Ivory Coast just because of the names and obviously my, my Yaya Toure fandom. It'd be nice to see him have a good run in the World Cup. It, Ivory Coast never seem to play to their ability uh, in these tournaments, and they never they've never got out of the group stage. Right yeah, now, exactly. So. so it would be nice for for that duck to be finally broken this year, please God. Yeah, and like you said, the golden generation. This is their last chance, really. I mean, yeah. Right with Drogba and Yaya Toure. Maybe Yaya Toure has one left, but this is their last real chance with this core group of guys. So I think they'll get out of the group. And Gervinho, man, red hot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cast of Arsenal cast-offs in this tournament that I really want to see do well just because I've disparaged them so much in the past that Park Choo Young, show me. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, sir. <laughs> just uh, regarding Yaya, you got to say, I mean, people talk about this being a chance for Messi and, uh, Messi and Ronaldo to prove themselves again on the world stage. I wonder if not, you know, Yaya could come out of this as, you know, one of the real top performers from the tournament, even if they get through a couple of rounds. Well, you could, you consider guys like Samir Nasser saying that, yeah, yeah, if he wasn't from Cote d'Ivoire, if he was from Spain or Argentina or somewhere else, he would be considered in that ilk of the top players. He'd be a Ballon d'Or candidate, and he's been the... yeah. You look at this, and I guess this is not a referendum on African football, because by far it's not. It's not at all, and the players they're producing speak for itself. But you look at team-wise, the fact that they haven't been able to get to the group stage yet, nobody deserves anything in sports, but I, I feel like they deserve this because it, it's been it's been a while. It, they just like they have the talent; it's all there. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I guess the one benefit is that in in South Africa, there was all this talk about you know the, this pressure for, for African football to sort of demonstrate its prowess, and all this un, undue pressure got put on teams like Ghana, who ended up doing actually pretty mm-hmm. well. Uh, but at least that the pressure's off because no, you know no one's it's sort of a, totally a wild card in all their relative groups. So I think you know uh, Ivory Coast definitely have the best shot. Um, uh, that they've had in a long time to, to do some damage and, and get out of there. So good good luck on them. All right, Colombia going through. We'll take that. Yep, I and that's not controversial. Yep. Japan, Cote d'Ivoire. I think I think Cote d'Ivoire gets in. Mm-hmm. I think they get through as yeah, well. Yeah, okay with that. Group D: Uruguay, Costa Rica, England, Italy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think a lot of people are assuming that Uruguay is a lock. It's in South America. They got Suarez, depending on his health. Edison Cavani. They have those players as well. 
I think England and Italy both get through. I don't think it's crazy to suggest they both get through. That Uruguay, is, that's my hunch. Uruguay's back line is shambolic. It's very bad. And when they press forward and they're exposed, England's pace... England has pace. Yeah, it's true. What, I mean, what year is this? I know. It's kind of Have weird Have we fast-forward to the future? Adam Leana and Luke Shaw sitting, you know, either on the pitch or on an England bench. It's like, it's like, whoa. Like what? Especially the Roy Hodgson of Euro 2012, <laughs> like two banks of four, you know. Like, right? I I don't think it's crazy at all. And Italy, I know their travel schedule is very tough, and they have they have a certain players that might not do well in that. But that's a talented talented squad. Mm-hmm. All of these teams have their frailties. Costa Rica, I'm sorry, I don't really I don't consider them a threat. I I don't think I don't think it'd be madness to suggest England and Italy both get out. I don't think it's madness at all. And actually, it's kind of refreshing for me as an Englishman to go into this tournament with kind of no real massive expectations, and actually a little bit of excitement to see how some of the kids perform. Because for a start, we've now got some actual real decent talent coming through. I hope Ross Barkley gets a shout. I hope Sterling plays the potential that we saw, and I hope Sturridge scores the goals that he scored for Liverpool. And I get the sense in England where usually we go into tournaments saying if we don't win it, it's a failure. People are now saying if we get out of the group stages, that's a success. So I think with expectations lowered, the kids given a chance to go and express themselves. Wouldn't surprise me if England got through alongside Italy. I feel like that's the feeling around Italy too. I mean, we always think of Italy, they have to have that sort of high expectation going in. They have to win the tournament or bust, like you said about England just now. But uh, I feel like this could be a lot like 2006. This team could either make it through and make a deep run, make the final, or it could totally flame out in the group stage, right? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, up front, who knows? Balotelli could play, Mobley could play, Insigne could play. They could play anybody. They could play a combination of guys. Uh, the midfield's the only real thing that looks solid with that group of, you know, Pirlo and De Rossi, maybe Marchisio. The Italian defense is not that good, guys. Yeah. Like, it's not that great. <laughs> and those damn stereotypes, it's not that great. It's going to so come back out me. again, too. Like, it, it's, yeah. It scares the crap out of me back there. So, I, I mean, like you guys said, either either of um, those three teams, I can see any one of them making it through. It's nice just to see Prendelli throw caution to the wind and just like really, really enjoy himself. It's like absorb the South American atmosphere. And I don't know. Well, uh, Balotelli is. He's just got engaged, doesn't he? Yeah, it's like exactly. he's on vacation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like a honeymoon. Literally a honeymoon for him. Yeah. So the narrative will start that he's supposed to be more mature right, right now. Absolutely. Now, yeah. Right? Yeah, there'll be at least one commentator. Well, since he fell in love and got engaged, you can see he's a different Mario now. And if he doesn't score, it's like, well, it's taking his it's edge like, away. What happened to the immature Balotelli who's lighting a single man, lighting fireworks in his bathroom? We I, miss him, right? He's lighting fireworks somewhere else now, Devang. Oh, I just want Jesus. the Balotelli who is smiles and hugs yeah. his teammates when he scores goals. We all goals. do. We all do. I, I, I don't understand in a world how you could dislike Mario Balotelli. I don't get it. I really don't. Go. I, so I've, I've said it. England and Italy are going through, I think. I don't know what you guys believe. I'll be, uh, whatever, I'll say Uruguay, Italy. Why not throw rock the boat here? I'm leaning Uruguay, Italy as well. I don't know first, second, <laughs> hell if I know, but uh, I feel Uruguay and Italy. Sorry, James. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to go uh, England, Italy just because I'm going to put it on my bracket, and if I don't, and England get through, my bracket's destroyed. <laughs> so you know, I might as well be doubly miserable. Good stuff, good stuff. Group E, Switzerland, Ecuador, France, Honduras... I am on the record. France is going to win the World Cup. Whoa. Whoa. Full stop. Full stop. Hello. Stop the podcast. They are. Imagine winning it in Brazil, too. That would be quite a story. It's a. Di- so, I actually wrote something about Samir Nasri being excluded, and that was a giant mistake. And on the weekend, it appeared that it was not Didier Deschamps really leading the charge for the anti-Nasri brigade, but it was the players on the team themselves, including Hugo Lloris and Laurent Koscielny. That's a good sign. You look at this French team and the tune-ups that they played. They look so much better than they did in the lead-up to 2010 and even 2006, 2008 as well, in the Euros. 
there was a different vibe I'm getting from them as well. In the middle, you have a guy like Paul Pogba that you've missed dearly, dearly in past iterations of this team. I like their chances. And in that group, I think it's a low-stress advance out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's a great point. Your story you know, about Loris and, and others being behind the exclusion of Nazari suggests that there's a squad there that's really closing ranks. And they're kind of underplaying things. There's not a lot been written about them. Obviously, they had some bad news, Ribery being ruled out. But they... If they can get the team spirit going that they saw around, you know, 1998, around the turn of the century when they were really the team to beat, this they you're right, they could be the dark horses of this tournament. I don't think they'll win it like you do. I still think it's Brazil's tournament to lose. But you know what? You wouldn't bet against them making it all the way to the semis, at least. Um, yeah, I'm excited just because it'd be nice for that team unity to sort of overcome their their bad away form because um, they, they they do well in France, but this is a huge ask you're going to Brazil. Um, it's no, it's gigantic. It's yeah. a, it's, it's so, a, I mean, I'd love that for them to make a deep run, but obviously there's there's a lot. But I think just a a convincing say. I mean, I think what is it? Every other tournament, France does crappy, right? <laughs> so they're due for a good performance yeah. this this tournament. So hopefully we'll see. Kareem Benzema's looking good, right? Your boy Olivier Giroud, Devang. Looking very good. So yeah. those two, just by themselves, should be able to help them get out of that group. Switzerland's solid defensively, so they might have more trouble against them. But that group, like you said, it's kind of a cream puff group, so they should be fine there. Well, France-Ecuador should be tasty. I mean, maybe. And let's say, like Switzerland-Ecuador, they're good sides. Switzerland had a very good qualifying campaign. Ecuador, our boy Carlo Campo would would not be happy with our, how we're disparaging them at this moment. But <laughs> very good squad as well. Honduras, we know what to expect. I don't see them challenging the French, though. I don't think it's going to be an issue. Look at look at their midfield. Look at their defense. I know Mamadou Sako comes under criticism, but Koscielny, Varane, Debushi, uh, Sanya, Evra, there's depth there. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, mm-hmm. And Hugo Lloris is one of the best keepers the in the game. The fact that Ribéry's omission, and this is the guy who's considered third best in Europe for Ballon d'Or, is like, it hasn't, hasn't caused much of a, a panic in the France camp, and... And generally hasn't really diminished our expectations for the team. I think it's a really, really good indication of where they're at. So, touch wood. Hopefully they'll do good. Uh, so, let's say they get through Switzerland, Ecuador. What do you guys think on that? I'm going Ecuador, I think. I mean, they, they're they not the most dynamic team in the world, but I, there's enough individual talent there. Um, they can make something out of nothing. And these tournaments are always mistake-laden and nervous, and I feel like Ecuador can probably make something out of that. So, a little more. I've seen Honduras play. They're good at grinding out nil-nils when they really <laughs> need to, but that's about it. Yeah. I'm huge on Switzerland. Devang, you know how much yeah. I like Switzerland. I think Switzerland will get through. They're so solid at the back. They gave up six goals in qualifying, four of them in one game against Iceland. You throw that game out of the window. Um, they've got so many quality young players. A lot they of, might, I, like, I, a lot of really good young, young players. Young players, yeah. 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 New Belgium, huh? <laughs> Ricardo Rodriguez, Granit Zaka. Yeah, obviously, Jared and Shakiri, right? Um they might struggle to score goals. That's the one thing I see. But they're so good at the back, you know, and especially with Inler. Barami's, eh, you know, Barami. But yeah. with Inler, especially there, holding the fort down in front of the back four, they're solid in the middle. If they can get some goals out of Josip Dermich, you know, uh, yeah. another one of those young guys, if they can get some goals out of him, I think they'll be fine. My in-laws are Swiss, so I should probably say Switzerland, but it's my head's telling me Ecuador at the moment. I think, you know, you've identified Switzerland's lack of goals. I think that could be costly. Um, so for me, it's France and Ecuador. Uh, two under the radar golden boot uh, horses: Ander Valencia, Joseph Jimich. Maybe you never know. Take a flower, seventy to one, eighty to one. To get some bucks lying around on your couch. Take you a told shot. us not to do that. Today. <laughs> That's how you opened it. Argentina Group F. Sorry, Argentina, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Herzegovina. There it is. Iran, Iran. Sorry, and Nigeria. Messi, Messi, Messi. If he doesn't win a World Cup, he's not one of the best players of all time. 
Yeah, uh, that's absolutely 100% agree. <laughs> how many articles? How many articles do you think will be written if that if that is the case when Argentina bombs out of this tournament? Well, I think whatever Argentina, I think are leading the uh, betting houses uh, bets to meet Brazil in the final uh, over above Spain, and and so I think that's a strong indication that obviously the South American effect will be mm-hmm. be under scrutiny. I think obviously the the storyline of you know Messi beating Brazil on their own you know their own turf in the World Cup would be incredible as well. So. Um, I don't think they're going to have too too many problems in this group, but uh, I don't know. Argentina is always a bit of a wild card. We'll see. And there's and you know I think Nigeria and Bosnia are definitely uh, underrated talents. Uh, Bosnia maybe more so. Um, so could be an interesting group. Yeah, it should be a cakewalk for Argentina this group, I think. And yeah, you know, it's just who's going to follow them out with them. And I think in Bosnia at the moment, you know, not a bad team. I think maybe Argentina Bosnia for this one. And and like Richard says, I can see Argentina. Pushing them all the way, and uh, let's hope Messi shuts a few of these doubters up because he is already one of the best players in the world. <laughs> Be very if he so today. Uh, his coach said that Messi vomits. He's mm-hmm. on the record vomiting during games because nervous. he's nervous. First of all, that's the most endearing thing I've ever heard about an athlete <laughs> of all time because I think we've all been there. Oh yeah. I hope he vomits this morning. I hope he vomits as he's scoring the winning goal of the World <laughs> Cup, like simultaneously. And it's known as the vomit. Like mm-hmm. that's hand of God, the vomit. Messi's hand of God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Luca, Bosnia. If you look at them on paper, that they're the team coming out with them, right? I think they're coming out with Argentina. Obviously, Edin Dzeko up front. I really love Miralem Pjanic. I'm a huge fan of Pjanic. Maybe because I watch him a little bit more with Roma, but I think he's a he's a fantastic player uh, going forward and even defensively. Um, Nigeria, I don't know, it's this typical sort of what do we expect from these African teams? You never know what you're going to get out of these teams, all four of them, all five of them, depending on what tournament. You just never know. And I think maybe it's my European bias, perhaps, but I think Bosnia will get out of there with Argentina. The problem is, is that everyone's like, oh, Jekko's on the team, but then strikers traditionally don't do as well as everyone expects in these tournaments. Um, I think Pjanic is probably the more important presence uh, mm-hmm. there. Uh, Nigeria, it's like uh, Stephen Keshi has put together, uh, I think, a very, very... You know, able, talented team with pretty recognizable names. Um, although Odom Wingy is one of them, so the problem is they're too recognizable. Sure. Yeah, All exactly. A Victor, little old. Like, oh yeah, yeah, Victor Moses, John Owen yeah. Mikel. Okay, well, so and it's definitely a rotating back four, uh, which yeah. they never seem to really settle. Um, they lost their left back yeah. to injuries. That's well. huge for them. Like, yeah. When they lost him in that game, they looked like a disaster defensively. Yeah. Also, Bright DK's gone. So also, over. Bright Bright DK was one of the contenders to start for that team. Yeah. No, seriously. Like, yeah. it was a, yeah. you know, it's kind of a shame. I, d- cool. I just think there's a dearth of top-end talent on Nigeria. They have a lot of recognizable names, yes, and good players, but I don't see the, the game-breaking ability there. So, I mean, Pennsylvania, Argentina, and Bosnia. Group G, the group of death. Germany, Portugal, Ghana, USA. The heretic opinion. Everyone is just saying Germany's going to get through. No, no questions asked. They've never not done that. I don't know. I don't know about that at all. I think the issue of that first game they play against Portugal is in the one of, I guess, the hottest place in Brazil. Depending on how that goes, say they get a poor result, you're relying on Per Mertesacker and Matt, Matt, Matt Hummels back in the uh, the back line. Per, as much as I love the guy, he doesn't do well with pace. I can see Ronaldo coming in on him and just being a disaster. The midfield, there's injury problems. They don't really have an out-and-out striker. They'll probably play the false nine. I don't think it's a it's a shoe in that Germany gets out of this group. It's the way the fixtures line up sometimes too, right? Because you've got Germany and Portugal facing off first game. The team that loses that, if indeed there is a loser from that, suddenly sees themselves under a little bit of pressure. Particularly if you see, you know, USA beating Ghana as you probably expect them to do. All of a sudden, they're suddenly third in the group. 
and looking upwards, maybe then, you know, the, the nerves do come in. It becomes a bit of a leveler for them. So if Germany don't beat Portugal, um, that could be a real tough one for them. I, haven't, I, I still don't see any other scenario other than both of these teams going through, but it would be nice to make it a little bit interesting, and I could see this going to the last game. Germany not getting through would be a huge disaster for the DFB, considering how much they've touted, you know, the post-Euro 2000 mm-hmm. reforms um, we were talking about earlier. And I think, obviously, there's some issues here and there. You know, Michael Royce is an injury, but it's not like Royce was the fulcrum no, of, no. of this German side or has ever really been. He's just been sort of another depth piece. So, um, And I, I agree with you. I assume as much as the, the, the names are recognizable at the back, they're not necessarily the most... You know, fluid dynamic back uh, back four in, in German history. So I don't know. It's hard to see, but uh, um, I, I feel like I need to. I feel like the U.S. is a little underrated mm-hmm. in the midfield. They you could know, just squeak in somehow by a miracle. I don't yeah, know. Michael Bradley can play in a lot of places in this world. Yeah, he could start in a lot of places in this world. Is this Bradley's tournament for the U.S.? He has to. So he'll have to be their best player because he is their best player. But he'll have to show it every game. If there's a dip in his level, then I don't think they have a chance. But if he plays as well as he can, they ter- they certainly do. They certainly do. If he plays well, okay, his you know devil's advocate. All right, signed on for TFC at the moment. Does he catch the eye of teams in Europe all of a sudden? Is he good enough to make that that switch? <laughs> uh, off the record, uh, yeah. But I don't think they can compensate him financially the way TFC does. Just he's too well paid. Yeah. yeah, I don't. You can't I, be off the record, Devang. This is a podcast. It's very on the record. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> You're a public figure. On the record, the same thing I just said. I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't, I, financially, I don't think they would make it worth they his while. They wouldn't make but, the dive, yeah. But there'll definitely be calls because if he, the man the man is a brilliant, brilliant player. Well, I think if they're smart, they'll look at a Roma you know, player who was... You know, maybe squeezed out by some slightly more talented uh, European stars. And some politics around that yeah, as well. Yeah, and some politics so. for sure. And then on, do- on top of that, got a huge pay bonus like for moving to Toronto FC. So as much as the whole narrative that we constantly see about you know players who go to MLS are automatically crappy, I think money you know obviously spoke in this situation. And I, th- I don't think it's impossible that if he puts in a... You know, uh, Donovan-esque performance, but even you know, powers the team to something even greater than 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 four years ago. Then, absolutely, it could be a name that's being bandied about for sure. Have we completely ruled out Ghana's chances of making it out of this? Group? I don't know if that's fair. I mean, they're always the wild card against USA. Anyways, they get that result. They could even lose the next two. And if things get, you know, there's a lot of draws in this group as you'd expect with equal talent. You know, they can definitely make it through. I'm a little worried that they're playing Michael Essien under legacy more than actual ability. I feel like his level has dropped a lot. But yeah, there are definitely. A lot of young, good players on that team, especially on the wings. Asmol Gian's only 28. It feels like he's 49. I don't know if he's been around forever, <laughs> but he's 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 still a, a capable striker. We saw it in their friendly league in South Korea. They look dynamic. I know South Korea wasn't the best competition, but they look very dynamic. Definitely can't rule them out. I, I, I'm not going to go out and limit and say Germany won't make it through, but I think it's going to be trickier than we expect. Portugal, you have the best player in the world at the moment, but he's got an injury concern. Other than that, I think... The, they're better than they have in in past years, just because that they have the William Carvalhos and they have Rui Patricio at the back. They have players that you th- you can be confident in, but it's all on Ronaldo. I feel like, even though soccer is one of the least individual sports. Yeah, it's a little. I think it's a little too much, and it was apparent that sometimes in qualifying, you know, they obviously they qualified um, in the end, but there's always those glimpses of of you know the sort of uh, Carlos Cuera bad old days. Yeah, the, the, I like the Portugal's squad a lot. I wouldn't surprise me at all if they came first out of this group. I mean, obviously you have Ronaldo, but their squad. Paulo Bento plays the same 11 players, you know, every time. For yeah. the last, it seems <laughs> so like, for the last solid. couple of years, right? That back four is always the same, that yeah. midfield with Moutinho and Veloso Morales. Um, so I, I think Portugal, I could see Portugal coming in first place out of that group, no problem. 
Good stuff. Total toss-up, it seems like. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Anything's yeah. possible yeah. at the World Cup. Okay, and the last one. Group H. Belgium, Algeria, Russia, Korea, Republic. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I scoff. I scoff at your snore. Uh, no, but you're probably right. <laughs> you know, all these teams are kind of level. Algeria does not get nearly enough respect that they should. I think they'll be competitive in all of these games. Belgium is the A team, right? Yeah. Everyone expects Belgium to do well because they have an arsenal of young, talented players. Romelu Lukaku picked up a, an ankle knock that could be an issue, but realistically, I think they're top in the group, are they not? I think so. And I'll tell you what, if Lukaku's fit, could he not be an outside bet for the Golden Boot come oh, end of yes. the tournament? Oh, yes. I think that's a good, very good call. Uh, Russia, Russia under Capello, defensively, they're they're very good. They're very good. They have that CSKA Moscow like uh, connection to the back line. You have attackers like Koker and Dazagev. They lost. They lost their captain Roman Shirakov to an injury, which will be a definite issue in the midfield. Yeah, that's but big. But I feel like Dazagev, who was the the breakout star of the group stage of Euro 2012, until Russia horribly collapsed. But <laughs> Dazagev, Kokorin, those are two kids that they're both 23 years old. They're both kind of in that Arshavin mold well, they, might, they might leave after this and I think they're, they're eyeing a, a move to not greener pastures but more exposure this is the, their contract tournament as as we as I've deemed it South Korea is a poor team I don't think they're very good I that's my team I used to live there I have a soft spot in their heart but I don't think they have it at, at all so yeah 4-0 against Ghana I kind of think I feel bad because you know Hungman Bo is a, a legend there and he was the the man in 2002 and considered one of the top 50 FIFA FIFA players at that time. His legacy, it's not his fault either, but he took over after they had a disastrous qualifying campaign kind of to, to ease fans' concerns, and he's de- he's not dealing with a full deck. So I think it could get bad for them. I think Belgium-Russia is the pick here. Yeah, that that would Agreed. be mine. Yeah, Maybe so. a solid yeah. one too. Maybe even Russia, like, topping it. Uh, just I feel like that's... They're good. They're a really, really good team under Capello. Um, I, I, and I, like, I would like to see Capello do well here, just to yeah. shut up the uh, the haters that he's amassed throughout his his winding career, because he has a, a few of them. Mm-hmm. So. I don't hate Capello. I love Capello. Who hates Capello? People, I think people in England hate Capello. Yeah, really? Why? Yeah, the, England, so. the England players didn't like Capello. It felt like. And he never won. He, you know, he never won the media over. He's not a Harry Redknapp character. That's going to you know be the <laughs> good old boy. Or, like, he's, you know, he was never going to be like that. So I think he was off to a hiding in the first place. He never won the PR battle in England, and as a result, he was demonised a bit. There we are through the group stage. I guess to work out the the knockout uh, formulations is very difficult, and I don't think we can go through that. No, at let's all. spend another hour yeah. going through every permutation. We're <laughs> also quite lazy. Yeah. So who you got? I've already said France, guys. Uh, and that a month from now, I will probably be pillared and, and laughed at and spit at on the streets. So if, like another uh, day at work for you? Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, bold. Uh, yeah, Brazil. Right. I mean, it's the easy pick. Home soil. I think the fans are going to create a tremendous atmosphere. The crucial thing, as we identified earlier, is them getting off to a good, solid start. If they don't, that could be problematic. But I think they're going to have enough behind them, enough good quality players. If they can keep them injury-free, I think it's them or Argentina, but Brazil all the way. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Spain won. And I know everybody thinks that Spain is finished and Tika Tag is done and you know they're on their decline now, but they're still that team is still there. It's still Spain. Spain is still Spain, right? Uh, great analysis, obviously. Um, <laughs> well, Spain I mean, is Spain, uh, guys. Spain is Spain. Though. Uh, but they're they're key players. Like everyone's like Javi's, and you know he's, he's like days days from death, you know. <laughs> but he's still like I mean, you look at his numbers. I mean, obviously he's under Tata Martino at Barcelona. Maybe not the greatest of uh, of pairings in the world, but uh, 
but you know he's still he's still an amazing creator of chances still you know generally good with Iniesta and they have that solid Real Madrid player group in there as well so I think they could do again I think it's dumb to write them off if they can get anything out of Diego Costa I mean you know get him over to Serbia again get the horse placenta going if they can get anything <laughs> at all out of him just give him the whole damn horse just give him the- <laughs> Just give it all. Okay, just, I, mean, I think they should start him for 10 minutes and then have him come off. <laughs> play him play in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Put him in in the 80th minute. Uh, I mean, how, how do you game plan against a guy that you've never seen play for a team before if you're somebody looking to go in the knockout round against Spain? You've never seen Diego Costa play with them before. You don't know what they can do with him there. Uh, I, I think it's it's crazy to write off Spain. Rich, R- Richie fucking football. I'll just uh, I'll be a, an ass and I'll say Argentina just because I think uh, I love the, the mythology of the, the American disaster and... and uh, and I think Argentina are definitely the sort of modern day Uruguay with you know the rivalry going there. And then there's the whole question of Messi at the World Cup. And and the last great World Cup, in my opinion, was '86. I know a lot of people don't like me saying that um, because, but I just think it's true. You know, it was an incredible tournament, and and that was really all about Maradona and and, and Argentina. And I really think that uh, the World Cup back in South America. Um, it'd be really amazing to see them pull off something, and and to say that they didn't do it in their home country as well, I think would be would be awesome. There you have it. France, Brazil, Spain, Argentina. One of these is not like the other, and it's mine. It's a bad pick. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Doing a World Cup uh, podcast is arduous because it's long and it's it's kind of tedious. And like I said at the beginning, I think we've all been full immersed in this for a while now. But um, we're excited. I think this tournament has to happen, and once it does, we'll sing that Pitbull song every day because it's great. Well, the great thing about the World Cup, no one's an expert, and uh, we're sure. looking at it with fresh eyes. And, yeah, as you can attest. Yeah, as you can attest. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back during the tournament to uh, provide your ears with some uh, listening pleasure. But uh, as always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.